The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. This sitting, I'd like to offer you a little guided meditation, instruction, guided exploration of mindfulness itself. In introducing this exploration, I'd like to remind us of the distinction between doing and being. Doing being more intentional activity that we engage in, being being more a state that we're in. When the Buddha talked about mindfulness, he never talked about it as a doing, as an activity that we engage in. So it's very different from the modern idea of, you know, be mindful of your breath. The Buddha referred to mindfulness more as a state that we can be, be in. So the exploration is what reference point do you have for understanding mindfulness as a state that you be in rather than something that you do? Is there some way you can feel your way in or open yourself to the presence of mindfulness, the existence of mindfulness that's there independent of trying to be mindful. And what will allow you to do this exploration is the activity of recognition, the activity of knowing what is. You can know if your mind wanders off in thought. You can know whether you're thinking. You can know whether you're present or not. And you can know whether there is a presence of mind, an open awareness of mind. So if mindfulness is not an activity, but a state of being, can you explore what it means to rest in that or abide, to dwell in a state of mindfulness, open awareness, presence? What does that feel like? How is that experienced? 
How do you allow for a mindfulness which is not an activity? In English, we distinguish between looking and seeing. Looking is active, intentional. Seeing is a little bit more receptive. The eyes see whatever is in front of it. But when we look, we're making an effort. The distinction between hearing and listening. Listening is more active. Hearing can be just what the ears do. Same thing with mindfulness. Mindfulness can be more like seeing or hearing, less, less like looking and listening. What's, this, what's the kind of awareness you have where being aware or being mindful It's more like seeing, state, the activity of seeing as opposed to looking. Awareness, mindfulness is just what the mind does, just what the body does. No need to intentionally focus Mostly it's allowing for natural capacity, natural functioning to occur.
What happens to you when you let go of doing and instead allow for the being of awareness? Allowing yourself to be aware. Without any idea of what you should be aware of. for a few more minutes to explore the state of being mindful, state of awareness. And notice, recognize to whatever degree you go in and out of 
open, relaxed, beingness of awareness, presence of mind, by getting involved in thoughts, getting involved in doings, activity, Notice the contrast between the doings of the mind and the beingness of awareness. And then to end this sitting, you can take a few long, deep breaths, connect to your body, your chair, the floor. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. So welcome to our Dharma practice day. <clears throat> and the theme for today is right mindfulness. We are doing a year-long series on the eight foundations of um, the eight-fold uh, path. The classic uh, formulation of Buddhism for the course of practice 
And uh, we're now at the second to last of the factors, which is the right mindfulness. And uh, the day is meant to explore this topic in various ways. Um, And to do that in community, partly. A very important part of Buddhist practice is to practice in community. And um, however, I thought that given that the theme today is mindfulness, maybe we'll keep, we'll keep it a little bit quieter than we usually do. Maybe less discussion, especially in the morning. Um, and because uh, it might be that we can understand a little better the whole aspect of right mindfulness more as a, if we practice with it rather than talk about it. The um, the so the topic of mindfulness, as you know, has become very important in the modern world. Uh, it's, some people say it's gotten quite trendy, where they teach it in many places, and in hospitals and schools, and many people. And even there's a congressman now that's written a book called "The Mindful Nation," and uh, so that's nice, isn't it? And uh, North Nation. <laughs> and so the, um, but uh, the word mindfulness, the Pali word is sati, is a very uh, suggestive word, so that partly because it's, we can't pin down exactly what awareness is. And so there, over the, over the centuries, there have been different definitions of what mindfulness is. And, in the modern world, last hundred years, there are particular definitions of it that, and you can actually study the history of the ideas of mindfulness as it comes down through Burma and Sri Lanka and into the modern America, through Dharma teachers and then from the Dharma teachers into the secular world and see the evolution of these ideas of what mindfulness means. But I think it's come to many people uh, think of mindfulness as an activity, a doing. And so, you know, uh, we might say, um, you know, you should be mindful of your breath. You know, now become mindful of breathing, of your breathing, or be mindful of your step, your step as you walk. And it sounds like more like an instruction of something to do. And uh, and so, you know, I'm going to try to be mindful now. And so we try to be mindful, and we, you know, we focus the mind in a particular way. And there's nothing wrong with that approach. Um, and uh, however, it might be using. Um, not using the word sati, mindfulness, in the same way that it appears in the suttas. In fact, the way we use mindfulness in the modern world might actually uh, better fit another word the Buddha used, which is sampajana. And we'll talk about that a little later. Interestingly, if you look at how the Buddha talked about mindfulness, it, um, the factor of mindfulness, the faculty of mindfulness, that uh, he used verbs associating with it of verbs like entering or abiding or um, uh, dwelling in mindfulness. So you enter into, you dwell in mindfulness, you don't do mindfulness. You establish mindfulness um, and then in, the, in being established in mindfulness, then you recognize and know what's happening in the present moment. But mindfulness is more like the state that allows us to do the activity of recognition, activity of knowing what's going on. And many people in the West, I think, what they think of mindfulness is it's the activity of knowing and recognizing. That's what mindfulness is. Um, But in fact, how the Buddha talked about it was not, these are both important practices, the recognition of what's happening, 
but it's mindfulness is a general state of being, a beingness, a way of being that is the, the medium through which we then can recognize what's happening. And um, so the languages of uh, abiding, dwelling, being established in mindfulness. So I think it's a little different than how many of us have come to understand what mindfulness is. So in that, gui- in that meditation where I guided you, I, I tried to suggest that you feel your way in or explore uh, what mindfulness would be for you if mindfulness was a state of being or, or an act of uh, a being rather than a doing. And I'm wondering if maybe a few of you would like to um, share something about what it was like to try to follow those instructions. Well, for me, it's uh, being in my, getting in my body. Um, whenever I'm thinking, which is most of the time, uh, I'm tensed. And so uh, that is a state of doing for me. But if I can just, what I need to do or what I do do is come back and, and sort of go through my body and relax my muscles. And, that, and then I feel that I'm at least momentarily in a state of mindfulness. <clears throat> Usually I try very hard to listen to the speaker and apply it to my own life. And um, really, it's, it's a very active process. As you lead us, I respond with a great deal of effort and intellect. And I was much more able to not listen so aggressively. But and not translate into my own experience, you know, with such sincerity. But I just listen to your words on a deeper, uh, more passive level. And it was an easier way of hearing without so much work. Mm. Very nice. Uh, what I uh, realized as we were uh, doing the guided meditation was that um, it occurred to me uh, something I had heard this week. I don't know if it was Rumi or somebody like that. This um, phrase of uh, put down the weight of your aloneness and enter the conversation. So it's a, uh, an experience of relinquishing something, like putting a weight down, and mm-hmm. then the idea of entering uh-huh. is like, um, mm-hmm. kind of like how you were describing, yeah. like abiding, mm-hmm. uh, in a space where you're abiding. Great. Beautiful. Putting down your weight is a nice idea. The burden. It brought up for me what we were talking about last time, right effort, and... Um, I guess my recognition that I sometimes my effort is too much. I mean, it feels like it's too directed. 
So this felt very, um, very good to me. I mean, I, I need to do, well, I need to do more of it. <laughs> there, there's the doing again. But, um, something about, you know, just receiving rather than um, being so much in control. Mm, yes, rather than being, rather than being control. Yeah. Generally, being in control is overrated by people, yes. by, by by the people who do it. <laughs> I had, as you were saying that, <clears throat> um, certain kind of photography I do popped into mind, which uh, it's called street photography, and um, you're just walking around, basically on the street trying to interact with it and um, the thing that struck me about it is um, so it's a little bit like being a musician in that you have an instrument a saxophone in this case a camera and you interact with what's happening and um, so sometimes the other musicians uh, communicate with you and you respond or sometimes things outside of uh, uh, but you're always there with your instrument and you know you have it um, you're very aware of what's going on around but you're not doing much with it other than waiting the time to use it Mm. so you're staying very present but there's a there's a receptivity going on great in the back there in the back row. <clears throat> so, um, I really, really appreciated that guided meditation. It felt less busy, um, not so pushy, and um, I really liked the contrast of less listening and looking and more seeing and hearing. That was extremely Mm. calming and really sweet. Thank Mm. you. Great. Uh, For me, somehow the, uh, uh, I don't even know what to call it, permission comes into play. To be mindful, I have to give myself permission to quit the other stuff. <laughs> to quit the doing, to quit the solving, to quit the acting, to just just quit that. And I have to give myself permission first before I can get some hint of what it means mm. to be, just be mindful. Hey, that's a, so to give yourself permission, meaning that you're allowed What does it take to give yourself permission? Uh, a large part of it for me is to decide that I don't have to fix a lot of stuff all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Some of it can just be the way it is, and it's all right. And I don't mean fix other people. I mean fix myself. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I can just be the way I am. It's all right. Great. Thank you. 
So, good. Well, the last one. Thank you. Yeah, um, I have a hard time turning off the brain. I'm sure no one else in this room has that problem. And um, part of it for me is that... So, let me say, turn off the, the doing? No, my brain. You Your know, brain. To stop thinking, oh. just to stop uh-huh. thinking. And, and part of um, thinking is really, really helpful to me and because it, it's almost like I'm just watching a screen of my thoughts and ideas and it can be extremely creative and can come up with solutions to things. So I really do value it. Um, but it's really hard to not be able to stop it yeah. or turn it off when um, I really do want to practice yes. meditation. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's a good thing to learn to uh, not always be focused on thinking. The um, because there's a way in which when we're yes, it's definitely true that thinking can be creative and interesting and useful, engaging, but it, uh, it's a little bit of two-dimensional life as well. And when people do too much of it, there's also a way in which they get disconnected from themselves because the, their connection to themselves is through that filter of thoughts. It's, uh, it's like, uh, you know, if, if you only knew yourself by the emails that go back and forth, <laughs> you, know, you, you, you know, you wouldn't know much about really who you are. The emails, I'm sure, are interesting. Uh, and so to be able to step aside or open up beyond thinking uh, and feel the fullness and be connected in a deeper way to yourself is a very important thing. And so one of the things you might try is, uh, if you can't turn it off, see if this mindfulness, of awareness, can be something that's bigger, like a big container that holds more of yourself than thinking. So you're not narrow in your thinking and focusing only on that, but just open up, open up, and open up. And um, so that's kind of maybe like if you were you know, if you're in a movie, you can be absorbed in the movie, and then you hear the popcorn crunching next to you, and you kind of realize you're in a movie theater, and you realize you're in a bigger place, and just, and you feel bigger context. Or, or if you're in a, you know, if you're watching, you know, a TV, and then you step back 20 feet and see that you're in this room, and step back 20 feet. See that's happening in a neighborhood, 20 feet, you know. You're just opening up and you realize, you're still watching TV, but you realize there's much bigger context for it. And, and, um, and how far do you have to open up and step back from the, te- from the TV where, where the environment it becomes more interesting than what's on the TV? Great. So... So the, um, when the Buddha talked about right mindfulness, he, um, uh, he, def- he described it in ways that, uh, where right mindfulness is more than mindfulness. So right mindfulness is a series or a collection of practices that come together to create right mindfulness. Um, and one of those things that contributes to creating right mindfulness is mindfulness. The state of being, being a beingness of mindfulness. But it's not left alone, that that's all you do. For it to be right mindfulness, it comes together with a few other qualities, with activities. So one of the things is it comes together with 
is um, clear comprehension. The word, this is the word sampajana, which is to uh, clearly know, recognize, understand what's happening in the present moment. Ma- the state of mindfulness places you in the present moment is the medium in which you can then see clearly what's going on. But then separate from that mindfulness is the ability then, then to use that and really recognize, now I'm breathing, now I'm thinking, now there's a sound, um, now I'm lifting my foot. And so there's this kind of this clear recognition. So, and then the third quality is, uh, uh, the word is ardency. Uh, ardency, ardor. To, um, to do the practice with a certain degree of enthusiasm or wholeheartedness. You know, we're not doing this in a complacent way, but wholeheartedly give ourselves over. And it's a little bit, you know, interesting idea that you would wholeheartedly give yourself permission to be mindful, to be present. Um, you know, you can, I'll get around to giving myself permission tomorrow and, you know, kind of do it. Versus, you know, this is really, you know, enthusiastically, you know, some kind of, you really do this. Um, so those three things are involved in the right mindfulness. And then there's um, uh, two other things. And this is a, in the handout you'll get, so you don't you know, you know, try to remember it and work hard at remembering it. But um, what I'm trying to convey right now is just that there's a distinction between mindfulness and right mindfulness, or a distinction between mindfulness and the practice of mindfulness. So mindfulness itself is not a practice, it's a state of being. The practice of mindfulness involves more, a little bit more complex or more involved. Similar to the idea, I think, if you tell someone that you're running, that uh, uh, doesn't say much. You could be running after the bus, you could be running from the police, uh, you know, you could be just, you know, running with, you know, all kinds of reasons you run, it doesn't tell you much. But if you tell someone you have a running practice, that narrows the scope. It means that you're probably not running after the bus or from the police. It probably means that you're training on a regular basis, you're building up stamina, you're kind of pushing yourself in a certain kind of way to develop strength and speed or agility or something. And uh, you're probably, you know, there's a variety of things we associate with the practice of running that, um, you know, it's not just, means it's more, it means more than just running. It means some other things associated with it, right? So the practice of mindfulness is a little bit more involved than just what mindfulness is. And so the practice of mindfulness is, involves this clear comprehension, wholeheartedness, ardency. It also involves um, a willingness, or at least uh, this they had permission of putting things aside or taking off the weight. Uh, it involves uh, putting aside distress and greed for the world. Now distress and greed, when you have distress and greed for the world, things of the world, uh, it means that you're, kind of means that you're absorbed in your thoughts about things going on in the world. And you can't put them down because you're focusing, you're experiencing, you're thinking and through the filter of what's happening in the world. So if someone, you know, rear-ended your car coming here today and you're kind of spinning your head, you're distressed and upset by this thing that happened, or if you're not thinking about how you're going to get a Tesla instead, and you're really, and you can't get your mind off the Tesla, or you can't get your mind off your anger, the stress about the car being damaged, 
um, you're, 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 you're absorbed in that kind of world of thinking, you can't be really, be, there's not possible to, be, to rest in awareness, to rest in state of being, if we're preoccupied with something in the world like that. So in order to be mindful, there has to be a putting aside that kind of activity of the mind that's caught up in the things of the world, they say, or something. And, um, and of course, that's hard to do. Some people are coming to do mindfulness so they can learn to do that. And now the first instructions are, stop doing that. So that's catch-22. But um, the important thing is to know the principle of mindfulness practice is that mindfulness practice involves the willingness... The, uh, the at least understanding the idea that mindfulness does not a, a practice doesn't occur through the vehicle of our focus on things on the world, thinking about preoccupation with that. So even it might be hard to stop thinking about things in the world. That's not where the practice is, and to really be clear about that is very helpful. I believe not enough people are clear about that, and they're trying to negotiate their practice by, you know rearranging the deck chairs in the Titanic, they say. You know, the, rearranging the world. And so, at least knowing in principle that we're not, this is not where the practice is. The practice is here in this body and mind and the experience we're having here and now. So, so there's the, the, the beingness of mindfulness, entering into mindfulness. There's clear comprehension. There's wholeheartedness. And then there's the principle of, of disengaging, separating ourselves from the preoccupation with things of the world for the time being of sitting. And it isn't all things in the world, it's distress and greed for the world. And then uh, there's one more thing to make right mindfulness. And that is that you can be mindful, uh, you can pay attention, recognize uh, an infinite number of things probably in the present moment. And, uh, and some of those things are probably less useful than other things to pay attention to. And some things are more useful to pay attention to. Um, I could, for example, uh, give you instructions. And now for the rest of the day, we're going to focus on the sensations of your big toe, the, the fingernail of your big toe, toenail of your big toe. It might be interesting, you know, you know, but the whole, I mean, I, I don't know how much wisdom is going to write out of that, you know, maybe some, you, you get to know about your protests and your boredom and your doubts about the teacher and, <laughs> you know, all kinds of things you get to work through, so it might be useful. Uh, but, um, you know, or, you know, or, you know, we could, I could have you focus on, you know, the color of the white wall behind me. And that's what we're going to be mindful of today. You know, it could be good. Again, it could be all kinds. You might develop a lot of concentration, just the whiteness of the wall and get really focused. But um, in terms of developing wisdom and understanding and freedom, these kinds of things are not so useful. So the Buddha did not give instructions for right mindfulness that was open to every possible thing you could be aware of. But rather, he said there were four areas in particular that are useful to pay attention to. And so it's uh, uh, the body, feelings, feeling tones, mind states, and then I like to translate it now as mental processes, dharmas. So I'll talk about this through the day today, but 
So these four areas that are useful to give particular focus to. It's really, if you want to develop wisdom and freedom, it's useful to cultivate a mindfulness, mindfulness practice around being established in your body. If you want to develop uh, this movement towards freedom, it's helpful to establish mindfulness for the feeling tones that we have in our experiences. If we want to develop freedom, um, it's helpful to bring into focus the, the state of our mind, the quality of our mind, as opposed to the quality of our toenail. It's a little, bit, a little more useful for this process of freedom. And then if we want to get, develop wisdom about how things, grow, uh, how things are working, um, it's useful to notice the, the, the inner processes of our mind, how the mind actually functions and works, more than understanding the process by which the toenail grows. Right, so there's, so, there's, so and being a little silly, but to make this point that uh, there is a selection process that the Buddha gives about what uh, it isn't just a re- complete open awareness to everything here, but there is certain areas that are useful to pay attention to. So I realize this is many things to track. So, we'll, but um, what I'm trying to say here is that mindfulness is distinct from mindfulness practice. Mindfulness is distinct from what the Buddha called the right mindfulness. Right mindfulness involves more, but the key things to start off today is it does involve mindfulness. But mindfulness is not an activity, but a state of being. And the first instruction the Buddha gives when in the Satipatthana Sutta when he describes how to be mindful, to do the mindfulness practice, he says, establish mindfulness in the present. Establish as opposed to be or be, you know, just do. It doesn't say, you know, there's not, you don't be mindful of anything in particular. It's not like you direct your mindfulness to this and that. Just <clears throat> establish it as something that is. And the idea of giving permission, of relaxing, of opening up, the idea of just being. Mindfulness is not a doing. It's, an, it's more, more closer to a state of being. But we can't just, uh, it's not, it isn't, we have some role in the, about how much we, uh, you know, a role and how that can be present for us. And you have to do something <laughs> in order to let that state of being arise. You have to turn off the TV, for example. If, you know, if you're always watching TV, you can't, not going to have much being, mindful state. You have to somehow be willing to disengage from greed and distress from the world. You have to open up, relax, allow... And for many people, this is one of the most sati- one of the very satisfying things about mindfulness practice, is when they don't is a state of awareness, open awareness, relaxed awareness, where there's no the, the being and doing that's incessant part of a life is put to rest. It's not the end of the story, but it's a very important part of this. The story continues: clear comprehension, wholeheartedness, putting aside greed and distress for the world. And then beginning to open up the attention, bring into focus body, feelings, mental states, and mental processes. How's that? That's a lot to keep track of. It's, it's all, it's, you'll get it in the handout. <laughs> so, so I think you don't have to remember all of what I said, but I think the gist of it, I think you have some idea that where we're going, what's going on here. Does that make sense? Enough. So, um, so I thought in the course of the day, uh, I would take you on a journey through these four foundations of mindfulness. 
And, um, and uh, the way that the right mindfulness is described in the Satipatthana Sutta, it can be understood as a journey. And it's a journey that goes inward. I would like to say, you know, inward to the heart. Um, because the heart is a good place. To, um, and, um, and so we start with the body, which is kind of the more outer container, and then we're moving in. You'll see as we take this journey, it comes into the heart in such a way the heart can become free. Okay? Make sense? Enough? Okay, so let's take... Um, uh, let's start again in here at 10.50, so 10, 10 to 11. And um, I suggest that we keep this break in silence and we'll come back to do another meditation. And then um, we'll see where it goes, our journey. It'd be good to start on time, so... guide you in a little meditation. So to take an upright, alert posture. In the discourse where the Buddha talked about this four foundations of mindfulness, he said, sit down cross-legged in an upright fashion under a tree. Generally, if we're under a tree, we're outdoors in nature. And I think there's a certain kind of way of being aware or sense of awareness, presence, openness, that's more easy to come by sitting under a tree. So take a comfortable but alert posture. Perhaps the spine can be a little bit more alert than you normally would have it. Gently close your eyes. And perhaps you can sway back and forth a little bit and then slowly sway less, kind of to feel and sense into your body and (coughs) settle in and get it aligned. 
So the sitting bones are both receive equal amount of weight. And the weight of your body is carried on your vertebrae. And with the spine upright, taking a long, slow, deep breaths, expanding out the chest, the shoulder blades, shoulder, shoulders, and then as you exhale, relax, settle in. Deep breath in and exhale and allow the stomach to settle, relax, the abdomen to settle into your Soften belly. And then let your breathing return to normal. And take a few moments to scan through your body to see if there's any obvious places that you can relax or soften. Soften the forehead, the eyes, temples, muscles of your face. Soften around the jaws, the jaws perhaps separate, separate out slightly, open up slightly. Softening around the shoulders, shoulder blades. Perhaps as you exhale, letting the shoulders, let the shoulders give in to the pull of gravity ever so slightly. Softening the chest. Softening the belly. Perhaps as you exhale to soften the whole body Letting go of any ways in which you feel braced, braced against life. And then there is in you a completely natural, effortless capacity, faculty of mindfulness, of awareness. Not a do, it doesn't have to be a doing. 
a directing. Establish or allow for, give permission for yourself to be aware of the present moment, to be open to it. Establish a presence of mind, a presence of awareness that's closely connected to being, just a state of being as opposed to a state of doing. If you find yourself trying to do this, see if you can let go of trying. Maybe for now, let go of all trying, even trying to think about things in favor of feeling your way into awareness, allowing awareness, an awareness that perhaps includes, uh, arises out of your whole being, your whole body, mind. A relaxed mind will be aware. See if you can relax any tension or pressure in your thinking muscle. tension or pressure associated with thinking, see if you can soften it, smooth it out, relax, open it up. And then putting aside any distress or greed about anything, any wanting or not liking anything, in favor of an open awareness that's bigger than anything that you could know. Relax and open. expectations or ideas of what should be happening. But in whatever relaxed, open awareness you have, appreciate that within it also is understanding, is recognition. You can understand or recognize if you're caught up in thoughts 
or if you're not. You can understand the degree to which you might be a little bit open to being in awareness, and a little bit you're not. You can recognize at some point that you're got lost in thought, and then sometimes you can recognize you're no longer lost, you're here again. You don't have to work at recognizing or understanding what's happening. In that field of awareness, the open awareness of mindfulness, you probably notice at times that understanding and recognition happens effortlessly. You hear the beeping. To recognize beeping without any effort. Open awareness and recognition or understanding can be to operate together. See if in a relaxed, open state of presence, of mindfulness, you can now receive, take in the experience of breathing. What's it like to experience breathing? If breathing occurs within the field of awareness, not trying too hard, not trying at all perhaps, but receiving and allowing the breath to experience a breathing to be there. to be a little heightened sense of recognition of what goes on as you breathe. Without judgment, is breathing long or short, the breaths, shallow or deep, fast or slow? without getting lost in trying to recognize and understand. Let the mindfulness be open, spacious. And within that openness, a simple recognition of qualities of the breathing.
if you get involved in thoughts, lost in thought, don't bring your mind, do not bring your mind back to the breath. The mind doesn't have to move, but rather open the mindfulness up again. in the present moment. So the experience of breathing comes to you, enters into that field of mindfulness. quality or state of mindfulness, awareness, is larger than the experience of breathing. See if you can stay connected to your breathing, but allow your mindfulness, your open awareness, to experience your entire body, broad global awareness, It includes more with breathing at the center, breathing in and breathing out. Experience the whole body sitting here. It doesn't have to be that we're in charge experiencing the body. The body is the experience itself. The body in a certain way is mindfulness, is awareness. Open to the field of awareness that includes the body the body breathing.
See if you can feel your way into an open state of awareness within which you're aware of your body. The experience of body permeates awareness. Awareness permeates the body. So it's not a doing. It's more of a being. And then as you experience your body breathing, mindful open awareness, full body, within the body you're breathing, breathing in and breathing out. Especially as you exhale, but either exhaling or inhaling, relax your body. Soften it. See if you can let go or soften any holding in your body. Patiently, as if you have all the time in the world. Mindfully be aware, be mindful of your body breathing. And soften, relax your body. Letting your body become more peaceful.
you find yourself lost in thought. Don't contract, don't jerk your mind, don't be upset. No distress or greed for the world. When you find yourself involved in thinking, see if you can open up wider, relax into, settle into an open state of awareness. Allow yourself to once again abide, dwell in the field of awareness that happens naturally. That just is. Let that awareness include the body breathing As you breathe with an open awareness of your body, see if you can relax your body right down to the core. Soften, open.
remembering to dwell in awareness, dwell in an open state of mindfulness. That's not an activity of doing, but it's a way of being, the natural functioning of awareness. And within that field of awareness, be aware of breathing. Be aware of the whole body breathing. And if possible, relax the body as you breathe. open field of awareness where you can be aware of the body and let there be a simple recognition of the, sim of the experience of your body as they occur, the sens sensation level of your experience without trying, working hard, as sensations of your body arise in awareness, let there be a simple recognition of what those sensations are. Without being for or against them.
mindfulness practice is a journey that begins when mindfulness opens up to the experience of your body. The body is the door for the journey. What is it like to relax and allow awareness to be the body? Awareness is inseparate from the experience of body. It's, it's not like you're in your control tower watching the body and knowing it. But the sensations and feelings and experience of being in the body is itself the field of awareness. You relax, open up to that field, enter into the field of awareness in the body. And as you do that, allow there to be a simple recognition of what's in that body, what those experiences are. Stay relaxed, don't try so hard. Let go of thoughts. As if the body itself is an organ of perception, organ of sensitivity. That the whole body is an organ of awareness. And awareness happens within and through and without the body. Just aware. And then you can very simply know Understand when you're not in your body, not connected, when you're involved in your thoughts. No judgment, just
just recognition, this is how it is. The recognition will almost be a natural occurrence. And finally, you can be established in mindfulness, abide in mindfulness of the body. Aware of the sensations of your body as you breathe, the sensations of your body, without fixating on anything, just open and receptive. You might also notice how the sensations of your body change, or what you're aware of changes. Certain sensations arise and replaced by others. They rise and they pass. There's a kaleidoscope of physical experiences in the body that unfold with your breathing, with your whole body. Appreciate the kaleidoscope, the variation, the shifts and the changes.
And then in a few moments, I'll ring the bell to end the sitting. <clears throat> see, if, what it's, see what happens to you. <clears throat> see how quickly the... <clears throat> see how quickly the field of mindfulness shifts and changes. See how quickly you get involved in thoughts or activities. And you lose, see how quickly you lose touch with yourself in a certain way compared to what it's like in the sitting. Notice what happens. So there's these four areas of our body, of our being. There's our body, the feeling tones, the mental states, and the mental processes that go on. And often in English we call these the four foundations of mindfulness. And it's a little bit not so sure exactly what the word is, should be, how it should be translated, the word that's translated as foundation. Uh, another option is to uh, translate it as the four ways of establishing, four ways of establishing mindfulness. And, um, and so this whole exercise of the four foundations, four establishments of mindfulness, are ways to establish the presence of awareness, the presence of a strong, this open, mindful state that we can dwell in. So we start the practice by trying to establish this open, relaxed <clears throat> state of mindfulness but then as we do the practice of recognizing and seeing better what's here in the present moment, then the state of mindfulness becomes stronger until it becomes something that's well established. And so here the focus is not on seeing clearly what is here, as if that's the end of the practice, but rather seeing clearly is the means by which to establish or rest in, in this uh, state of awareness that the Buddha called sati, that we abide in, we dwell in. And so we start, the, the process of doing that and establishing that begins with our body. You could say that the body, our physical experience generally, is uh, the coarsest thing happening in the present moment. Um, you might argue that your, breath, your thoughts are coarser, but, um, or your emotions are more important or something. But... Um, you know, it's the physical, embodied sense, uh, you know, it's like you know, the physical, embodied experience of being alive is in some ways the, you know, the foundation, the core, the, you know, being in our body. 
And so the body is always in the present moment. And uh, we haul the body around, or the body takes us around. And, um, and uh, to use the body as a door into the present moment, to help anchor, establish, or find ourselves in the present moment, is an age-old tradition in Buddhism. You find in the teachings of the Buddha over and over again a tremendous emphasis on mindfulness of the body, to be in our body. And I know for many people in the modern world, um, it's a, kind of a foreign idea that the body is so important. And even some books on Buddhism, you'd read the book and they never maybe even refer to the body. It all seems intellectual. It's all about the mind. But uh, the body is like really central to this whole enterprise of so learning to come into our body, be in our body, experience the world through our body, experience ourselves through our body, to know what's happening in our body. It's certainly one of the ways to break through the obsessiveness of the mind is to drop down and feel the body rather than always be thinking. <clears throat> the, um, and I like to think of the, you know, be, the whole process begins with the, with the body. It begins with the body, it begins in, in the, with the breathing. Uh, if you sit still in meditation, the part of your body generally that's moving the most, the most active part, is the part of the body that's breathing. So in some sense, some people say it's the easiest maybe to pay attention to the moving parts of your body rather than the still parts, and so you feel the movement of the breath of the body as it moves as you breathe. And with that, <clears throat> the instru- classic instructions is in fact to experience the breath, the body breathing, experience the whole body, and then relax. Relax your body. Think clearly the instructions from the Buddha is relax your body. Uh, usually the word for relax is translated into English as um, tranquilize, make it tranquil, make the body tranquil. So there is a kind of a, so here, whereas mindfulness is kind of an unintentional state, like just resting and being in a state, within that state there's, there's a recognition of what's happening can occur, and also there can be some intention, some will operating, and the will or the intention, one of the things that's operating is the intention of the will to relax. So there is, you know, it's just one of the things we're doing. As we relax, it's more easy to be aware. I think because in some ways, the aware, an aware, rela- unless you just fall asleep, the uh, relaxed mind is aware mind. And so then the field of, of the body, the experience of the body can come more to the forefront and we start feeling the aliveness, the vitality, the sensations of our body. And uh, this is one of the ways to establish more strongly the state, the being aware, this open state of awareness. So is this making some sense? So do you have any questions about that or anything you would like to? Yes. So maybe could... question about one of the elements you mentioned which I think you said clear comprehension mm-hmm. and um, I'm I'm able to and I really like getting into that state of being so in my body and I'm calm I'm contented I enjoy being there um, I let everything go. I enjoy doing that. And um, 
I, I love it. So there's that ardency, I think, is there, um, wanting to be there. But um, there's a little bit of a dreaminess to it in that contentment. Um, so I'm just wondering if you could say more about clear comprehension and how I can include that uh, my guess is that as since you recognize it already, there's a kind of a contentment and a dreaminess. My guess is that if you recognize it or you get used to it, become more familiar with it, at some point it'll feel unsatisfactory. I was feeling that this morning, like it's, in the meditation we just did. You know, I could check off all the things, but clear comprehension, I'm missing that. Uh-huh. So, so at some point, this contentment or this loving something leads to kind of complacency or kind of dullness or kind of like a little bit heavy. Mm-hmm. I mean, at first it might seem just great. Um, uh, but at some point, it becomes, you know, so this is where the recognition is important. At some point, this recognition, oh, this is not, this not, doesn't feel quite right here anymore. It was good for a few years, but, but you know, this is getting to be old. And uh, so that's recognition. That's the comprehension operating. And then, so just recognize it's a good thing, it's a normal thing, it's part, part of it. And then, uh, in order for the mindfulness practice to go further and deepen this process of deepening this journey, the clear comprehension is very important. And so, then you might want to then now refine it, tune, tune, tune the mind a little bit to bring more to the forefront the clear comprehension, or the clear understanding, the clear recognition of what's happening. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's an art to doing this. So it's, you know, you, you might get yourself a little bit agitated at first as you, but just, so for example, um, you know, your person can be resting with the breath, you kind of feel, just kind of know they're with the breath, they're there with the breath, it's great to be with the breath, it's very, how wonderful to be with the breath. Mm-hmm. At some point it just feels like it's, it's getting kind of old just to be with the breath. You know, then say, well, what, 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 is the, what is the experience of breathing like? I never looked at it, never considered it actually. It's, it's uh, as I breathe in, there's movement and expansion and mm-hmm. certain tautness and tension that happens when I let go. When I breathe out, there's a letting go. And at the end of the letting go, there's a little pulling in. And there's all these little sensations going on and different parts of my body are active. And, and mm-hmm. so you start recognizing what those are. Uh, again, be careful that you don't lose uh, open, kind of somewhat open, relaxed state of mind. But you don't want to fall into being complacent and too relaxed either. There's ardency or this... Mm-hmm. So how to keep this, you know, this balance and open and relaxed mind, but, and then have this clear comprehension. Oh, look at that. This is what's happening now. It's kind of like beginning to tune into the details of the experience rather than kind of resting with the kind of gestalt of it or the mm-hmm. generalization of it. Yeah, okay, thank you. Make some sense? Mm-hmm. So what was that like for you, some of you? It'd be nice to hear some reports, that meditation, that guidance. Could you follow along? Was it difficult? Was it interesting? Was it helpful? What happened? You weren't here? Yes, Arthur. Is there another mic here? Or that's a... The mic's in the back. Can you... This is, um, um, I guess, descriptive, and also uh, there's a, a question about restlessness in this. Um, I had an injection, cortis- a, a steroid injection in my spine yesterday, 
and um, that can they, give you a lot of energy. Excuse me. That can give you a lot of energy. Well, it's not really. I. It keeps me awake. So my mind is very restless. I, I couldn't sleep. I, I got up at three in the morning, but I was tired. Um, tired now, but my mind is running wild, um, and I just feel this energy coursing through my body. Um, it doesn't feel very good. And during the meditation, I, I, I can't really focus much on anything. I was just trying to be aware that this is how I am. Um, uh, but this is not a state either that I'm unfamiliar with. It's just that it's easy to recognize its cause, and it's here today, but right. it's... It, um, so it's a hindrance to the very thing you're that we're all here talking about right. today. And um, the question arises in this state, what does one do to um, uh, um, to be mindful, to, to calm the body? And I guess being mindful is to be aware of what's happening. So a variety of things you can do. So there's a, you can have experiment with it. One is just to keep the mindfulness quite open and uh, don't focus. Any attempt to try to narrow the focus of attention uh, would just reinforce or, or come up against the restlessness. So rather narrowing open in the present moment. To, and I've sat with meditation very restless and it was really fun. Uh, I, I just imagined there was a ping pong ball inside of me. And it's just like <laughs> this way and that way. You know, it's like, where is going to go next? How is this going to manifest? And I just kind of like imagined my body was this big container um, uh, that just allowed all this energy to kind of jump around, do its thing, and and, was, and um, sometimes it didn't do it things all over the body, but in certain areas, like legs, and, um, and just kind of let it be there, be very, give lots of permission, just let that ping pong or that, you know, that energy course around as it wants to. And because uh, any, anything that's fighting it sometimes or feel it, trying to focus and goes against it, uh, trying to do something with it, uh, might be impossible. Makes it, makes it worse. So, so, th- so there's be a lot of mindfulness of restlessness. That's one. The other is the instructions that the, the God I guided you through was to relax, to open up and feel the whole body again, the whole restlessness, and then as you breathe, see if there's some way you can soften and relax. And it might be incremental, but every time you exhale, soften something, soften something, um, soften, soften, and you know slowly, slowly, maybe something can soften around that restlessness. That's another thing you can do. And, um, and then sometimes um, sitting in meditation is not really helpful. There's a lot of restlessness. It can be easier to do walking meditation. And I've had a lot of restless energy where the, the way that I stayed present for my experience in my body that somehow was in harmony with all that energy was to do a very fast walking meditation. And that kept me in the present moment. And... Um, and let you know, let the energy course through me, and I just you know I walked fast, really fast, back and forth. A few things, okay? Yes, here, right behind you is the mic. So yeah, it was uh, for me. It was really helpful uh, just to hear your voice. Kind of uh, guiding, mm-hmm. um, 
I've found for myself too. Um, I, you know, if I'm, I'll go on a hike or something, and I'll set my alarm on my phone um, for maybe every every five minutes or something, um, and I'll find that when my alarm goes goes off on my phone, it reminds me um, stop thinking. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm finding that um, I'm I'm just trying to you know like uh, someone was saying earlier solve problems um and with it there's like a theme um of the of the problems that are that i'm trying to solve like oh it's this it's the, it's the same kind of theme um and then you know hearing your voice um and and this happens sometimes when i'm by myself too just uh, meditating not here but elsewhere um where i will almost it almost sounded like what she was saying earlier um, where i'll it's almost like um, I'll start to fall asleep a little bit, but and then not I'm not I'm not actually falling asleep because I'll catch myself. But then I stay I stay in some I can stay in like a almost like a half asleep state. I, I, I don't I don't really know how to describe it, but right. it's like a almost almost asleep, but not asleep because right. I'm stopping myself from going to sleep or something. And that to me has been um, the most peaceful and rewarding I guess I don't know if that's right or or um or what but <laughs> I think it's great I appreciate it and then and then as it seems to you know as if it becomes st- stabilized a regular phenomenon that way then see if you can salt the soup with um clear recognition clear understanding seeing what's actually going on the knowing oh this is what's happening now but it's salt right you just try very gently and see if that sharpens something or establish something. Or so one of the things I said at the end was um, uh, become aware of the kaleidoscope of sensations as they come through. And so this is one of the ways to sharpen the knowing, the understanding, is to see the details of how things actually shift and change. And uh, if you're very relaxed and very present, um, uh, it's a remarkable how quickly our phenomena, our, our experience shifts and changes. And uh, often we don't recognize how often it changes because we're kind of involved in something and, you know, it seems like it's always the same thing. So you can be, I mean, like some of us, you know, we can be in a mood. Hey, I'm just grumpy today, you know. Like, but not, I'm not grumpy, but you're just in a grumpy mood, right? It's like you're grumpy and I, that's, I've been grumpy all day. That's just, you know, what a drag. But if you really tracked yourself carefully, you'd see, yes, there certainly has been a common theme of being grumpy, but, um, but there, 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 it, it, there were all kinds of other states that came in, in and out as well. Um, someone said a joke and you laughed. It was really funny for, for a little bit until the, the humor passed and you're back to being grumpy. <laughs> you know? or, or something really beautiful happened and you see something, and you see this kind of appreciation of the beauty and when that passed, then you know, back to grumpy. But you know, grumpy is not all the time, it's not constant, but there's a constant kaleidoscope of shifts and changes that go on. And uh, so one of the things that happens as the, we get established in mindfulness, established in mindfulness of the body, at some point, one of the things that when it's sharpened, this clear comprehension, this clear seeing, is we see the, the changing nature of our experience, how experience is constantly changing. Partly because things themselves are changing, and partly because the way the nature of perception is constantly shifting and changing as well. So between the two of those, the experience is always is kind of kaleidoscope. Yes. 
talking about, you know, just opening up and relaxing. A little closer. Um, a little closer. And uh, that, uh, so a thought arises. And it's like the, so, I don't know if this is my, normally my attention will go to the thought and it seems to just vaporize. Uh, or just sort of go. But that's a doing, right? It's a, should you just back off? So, so let's say a, a, a thought arises. In this kind of meditation you're doing, do you just sort of back away at, okay. in this relaxation? Or is it, you know, because you're talking about being, not doing. Well, it's actually, I'm talking about doing both. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to, these two can coexist. So, uh, in a certain kind of way. So, the mindfulness is more of a state we enter into. Um, the knowing, the clear comprehension is something we do, a little more than we do. And where the balance is and how those work together is very important. So, uh, it's... Um, 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 so, is it like a relaxed doing? Yeah, I mean, if you want to, if you, I don't know if we, I don't know, it's it's re, it's being relaxed and doing. Uh-huh. Um, it's like, um, um, you know, if it may, I don't know, it just occurs to me if you have a baby, and um, and um, there's some dangerous situation that's happening, like that, there's an earthquake or something. I don't know what dangerous. You don't want to alarm the baby, but you also want to get the baby out of the house. So you stay relaxed, but you also hurry out of the house. Mm-hmm. So you can do both, right? The two don't have to go be opposed. Be hurrying doesn't mean you have to be tense. And being relaxed doesn't mean that you kind of like take your time to get out of the house. So uh, there can be this state of awareness, and then, then there can be some doing that happens within it. And so it's, it's up to you to experiment what is useful. And so if, you can do, if, if there's a gentle doing of recognizing and seeing clearly that there's thinking and it vaporizes. That's nothing wrong with that. Okay. That's fine. Um, unless you're having to do it every two seconds. Um, but if, um, or if just kind of leaving it alone, just recognizing it's there and kind of like backing off, as you said, if that's useful, that's fine. You can, there's not like a... a formula. Formula. <laughs> okay. uh, if anything, the formula is, it, it, it effort is to, is to come to a place where where, where we feel established in mindfulness, where the mindfulness is present, a state of awareness, it's like we feel like we're resting in it, where the awareness itself is not longer, that itself no longer feels like we're doing. So, um, so you know, maybe an example would be maybe going to the beach and the, and the ocean here, and, um, you know, you've been caught up with all kinds of concerns of the day, and you're still sitting on the beach watching the sunset, you're still caught up, your mind's still spinning and everything. But now there's this great vista, an open space, and you're aware of it, and you can take it in, it's nourishing to feel it, this big thing, while your mind is thinking about your taxes, what to do, right? And so, as opposed to thinking about your taxes, you know, at home, on your desk. And, um, so, the, so, the, so the two can coexist, but the point is to come to this, so remember, so the, uh, it's, so in the, the beach, you know, at some point awareness becomes its own entity that's established, that's there in a way, you know, it's not going away because you have the support of the great view. Make some sense? Yes, it does.
So when I was um, thinking thoughts, um, your instruction to um, expand our awareness, my awareness, to the field of awareness, to to um, that was really helpful because the thought seemed so unimportant. It lost its energy, and um, and then a thought came that you know I am not this thought. I am not my just my thinking mind, and um, that was lovely, very very nice. Um, and it was an effortless letting go of the thought. Mm-hmm. Or it felt that way. Yeah. Great. Okay. So, we're going to take 15 more minutes in here and then stop for lunch at 12.15. So hopefully that works for you, your bladder, <laughs> whatever else is going on for you. So the first foundation of mindfulness is the body. And there's a tradition in, to spend a lot of time, that's like the primary focus of practice, is just being in your body, coming back to your body. And then as I described it here, this opening up to your bodily experience and the clear comprehension part is then beginning to see clearly what is going on here in the body, the details. And one of the details you can notice is that uh, the shifting nature of sensations and the experience of the body, how it all shifts and changes. One of the things we can also clearly comprehend or clearly see and know is that um, uh, this, the sensa- whatever we're experiencing in the moment has a feeling tone to it. And the feeling tone means that it's, um, it's either pleasant, it feels pleasant, or it feels unpleasant, or it feels neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Some people say just neutral, just pleasant or unpleasant doesn't compute. So, um, so sitting here in the moment right now, just sitting, you don't have to change your posture at all. Uh, don't have to close your eyes if you don't want. But if you go into your physical experience right now, is there anything in your own physical experience that you can identify right now as being pleasant? It could be very mildly pleasant. It doesn't have to be dramatic. Anything. You know? What are some, what are some of the, can you name some of the things that you find pleasant right now? Uh, profound state of relaxation. So state of relaxation. Warmth on the sole of feet, yes? Sense of being in my body. Say it again. Connected with my body and feeling myself in my body. So just that feeling of connectedness to the body feels pleasant. Great. Mm-hmm. Energy. Energy feels pleasant. Thank you. Yes? Sitting amongst friends. Sitting among friends. The experience of being here with everyone else feels pleasant. Okay. Easy breathing. Sorry? Easy breathing, the ease of breathing feels pleasant. Okay, good. Now, um, what's unpleasant in your immediate experience here? Yes? I feel hungry. Hungry, so the hunger is here, it's unpleasant. A little bit of back pain. Back pain, a little bit of back pain is unpleasant. Cold. A little bit of cold. Got to pee. Got to pee. <laughs> <laughs> Pressure in the bladder. <laughs> what else is happening unpleasant? 
No one else has anything unpleasant? Do you have more pleasant? Muscle tension from the sitting. Okay, good. Yes? The hardness of the chair. Yeah, these chairs. Are, yes? Jim? Hunching of shoulders. Hunching of shoulders. Uh-huh. Dry, scratchy throat. Dry, scratchy throat. Unpleasant, yes? Uh-huh. And, and, and it feels unpleasant. Okay. Okay, so now, it said the next one, the third one, is that it can be hard to discern or feel. Uh, maybe it's hard if you're really precise, but, but just kind of just generally. What's, what's happening right now for you in your immediate experience that's neither pleasant or unpleasant, but, but still qualifies an experience, as an experience, as something you're sensing or feeling? Temperature. Temperature? Mm-hmm. Neither pleasant or unpleasant. Just Some people would say just right, mm-hmm. maybe, but... Yes? Mm-hmm. Breathing, just neutral. Mm-hmm. Your toes. Your toes are completely neutral. Nothing pleasant <laughs> or unpleasant. <laughs> probably most of you, your experience of your ear lobes is probably relatively neutral at this moment. Hardly, yes? Oh, I thought that's why. Okay, so, there are, so this is the range, right? So uh, we'll do a little guided meditation now for a couple of minutes on this thing of pleasant, unpleasant with a little, little variation or twist. So, so it's, it's going to be a few minutes so you don't have to do it a long time. So if you close your eyes and then tune into the physicalness of your body. And there in the physical aspects of your body there are said to be five senses. There's the sense of touch, tactile sense, and there's the sense that concludes, you know, tactile sense of warmth and cold. There is seeing. Now with your eyes closed, maybe you just see, I don't know what you see, but darkness, patterns of light, something. There is hearing. Hear my voice. Sound of traffic, perhaps. There is smell, perhaps. There's odors waft waft through the room. And perhaps there's uh, sensations of the tongue that you wouldn't have, thankfully, wouldn't have noticed unless I brought your attention to it now. And so at at these five senses is the way in which we experience, perceive the world around us. And these five sense sense experiences can be pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral as they come through.
In addition, <clears throat> the world around us, social world, for example, can create pleasant and unpleasant experiences <clears throat> in our mind. I could announce that all of you have won the California lottery and perhaps that would make you happy. Or perhaps I can just praise all of you for your <clears throat> sincerity and dedication and practice and being here and make you hearing my praise <clears throat> coming from me, <clears throat> perhaps from the outside, from the world, some kind of inner response to that pleasant or unpleasant might happen. <clears throat> or I can say, announce that California's decided that everyone's half everyone's income is going to be used to pay the California lottery and you have to cough it up. Or I could say that you, know, you guys are not very good practitioners. A bunch of lousy, lazy people sitting here letting your mind think a lot. Come on, come on you guys. Who do you think you are as practitioners? So that's a drag, right? To hear that and then you feel lousy inside. But the, the praise, the lousiness, the joy, the, just, whatever you feel, is coming from the world outside. So there's a whole level of sensations, feeling tones, feelings that we can have in the five senses and in our minds that arise because of what's happening in the world around us. Independent of that, there is a feeling tone of pleasant or unpleasant that it can arise deep inside, inside of us, that has nothing to do with what happens in the world. In terms of being stimulated or senses. By, so for example, it's possible to relax deeply. And the, there's a feeling in the inner world of peace pleasant feeling of peacefulness. Or at the end of the day, <clears throat> our tasks are done perhaps, and a feeling of contentment to just being alive, a pleasantness from the inside doesn't depend on what's going on in the world, but just a sense of being content. Where the mind can be concentrated and still. And that inner, still, concentrated mind feels pleasant, feels satisfying. Or for who knows what reason, our hearts are filled with love or compassion or appreciation or gratitude. It's not obvious that anything happened in the world, but somehow this pleasant experience of gratitude or love or compassion dwells in our hearts. The world around us might be unpleasant, but the heart has this pleasantness of compassion, or gratitude, appreciation.
when the Buddha talked about what he talked about next after mindfulness of the body is mindfulness of the feeling tone. And you can see that it kind of follows as you begin settling into the immediacy of our physical embodied experience. And we start taking in the details of that. And one of the things that starts becoming clear is how certain some things are pleasant and unpleasant. But not just, the, you know, uh, but the instructions are not just to be aware of just pleasant and unpleasant as it occurs, but to aware of the distinction between the feelings that arise because the ordinary senses are being stimulated from the world and those things that occur independent of the world that bubble up from the inside. Especially that which is pleasant, that comes out of the practice or comes out of a restful, settled being here. So it's kind of like a distinction of the inner and the outer world. When we focus on the inner world, we have to be careful to distinguish between the, the, the world outside, which, which we've internalized, and kind of made it part of the outer world. Internalize the angry voice of a parent. It's inside, and it all goes on inside, or the way we're distraught and angry or upset, fright, frightened. But its genesis had to do with what happened in the world. We've internalized it. So, the, so this distinction between the inner world and the outer world. And one of the things we're trying to do is this journey of freedom is start noticing more and more the inner world. So independent of the physical, your physical experience now, the physical sensations that are here. What is the inner? What would, how would you characterize your inner world? And is there a way of feeling and sensing into your inner world in the simplicity of whether it's pleasant and unpleasant, but to do it without judgment, to do it without being for or against it, to allow the open, relaxed field of mindfulness to have lots of space for how the inner world is. whether it's pleasant or unpleasant. No need to analyze it or go into more detail of what the experience is like and understand it even. Just a simple way, is it pleasant or unpleasant, the inner world for you, or neutral? How is it? Letting that float, be seen in the field of awareness.
Okay, so then you can take a deep breath and open your eyes. So today I'm describing this as a journey, the four, four foundations of mindfulness. It starts with the body as a door, as the way in, getting established, being in the present moment. And as we begin tuning in to the body, it gives us access to uh, some of the details of what goes on there, uh, particular qualities of it, and uh, that we'd not if we're kind of running around in our life being busy. And one of the qualities is a simplicit, very simple quality that things are either pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. It's often a very important area, way in which people react to the world, being for, against things, liking and not liking, because it's pleasant or unpleasant. And, um, and so getting a handle on this is very helpful so we don't get so reactive. But here in, this, in the practice of right mindfulness, um, it's not only to recognize the feeling tone of the experience, but also to distinguish between the inner and the outer. The, the, the language of the Buddha was of the flesh and of, not of the flesh. Carnal and non-carnal. I don't know how helpful that is. We have a history of, in the West of those kinds of words being so maybe we don't want to associate with. But, um, but, the, um, but I think inner and outer, some people call it worldly and non-worldly. Uh, spiritual and non-spiritual, kind of the inner world. And that's, there's always an inner world. And is that pleasant for you or is it unpleasant? And can you just hold it in awareness without judgment and reactivity? There's just two sides. So here we're seeing now the journey begins coming in more inward. The body can be more outward, right? You can hear a sound and you're more kind of like you're here in the present moment, but it's just a little bit on the outside. I touch my, my leg and I that's an outer sensation, outside of, in a sense. But with more intimate, closer into the heart, more deeper inside of us, is this the inner life. What's that like? What is that like? And what's that like independent of whether you're getting massage or not? You know, massage is really pleasant, and you can feel all this pleasure and delight inside. That pleasure and delight inside is kind of like not exactly the inner world yet, because it's, it's stimulated by the world. But what, what in and of itself, what's the inner world like for you? So, is it pleasant or unpleasant or neutral? How is it? So, we're see, so this is a step inward. So then when the next foundation of mindfulness, we take it you know, further in and look at it in more detail, this inner world. But this is the direction we're going, into the core, the heart of who we are. So we'll continue this journey in the afternoon, but I wanted to introduce this before lunch because to the degree to which lunch, you can talk at lunch and hang out, and, um, but you might want to uh, just periodically through the lunchtime, not just be mindful, stay mindful, but periodically lunch, um, tune in, check into yourself. And um, is what you're experiencing pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral? And as you feel the pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral aspect of it, can you, is it possible to distinguish um, that which is sensory, sensual, of the world and those sensations, those feeling tones, which are more have to do more about your inner world, how you are inwardly. Does that make some sense? I hope it makes some sense, enough sense. Can you that, what? Can you that, so as you go about lunch, have your lunch, periodically notice the feeling tone of your experience, pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. 
And as you do that, see if you can also distinguish between those feeling tones which have to do with the world, uh, the senses are stimulated, and that which has to do with your inner world. Okay? Yes? Well, sometimes we internalize the world from thinking. So, um, but, um, but, you know, you know, so just notice if it's pleasant or unpleasant and see. It's okay. It doesn't, this doesn't have to be exact, you know, inner and outer, but, but, um, so what exactly the think, where thinkings are. But I think of the feeling, the inner world as being not thoughts, but rather, um, uh, the, 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 the feeling tone or mood or the atmosphere of the inner world, the inner life or psychology. I guess I was thinking in terms of when you said that you touch that central, you know, the senses, but... Yeah, so, so some people say this... Can create. <coughs> yeah, so I would th- I think generally thoughts are part of... The, uh, see, the, the, sixth, the sixth sense door in Buddhism is the sense door that, uh, that picks up and recognizes we're thinking. So if we're having a pleasant thought and we feel, and we feel pleasure from thinking, then that, that sense door is being stimulated. If we have an you know, unpleasant thought, then the, the sense door is being, feels, feels displeasure, something unpleasant. So even though it's inside, it's still one of the six senses. So it belongs to this outer world, in a sense. It belongs to the world of senses. And so we're, it's a little hard in English, in our, our, our way of understanding sensations to appreciate this distinction between inner and outer or, or f- of the flesh and not of the flesh. But I think it's probably better to think of the thoughts as belonging to this outer world. So what's deeper? What's more intimate than thoughts? Make some sense? I hope it makes a little sense. And, um, but it doesn't matter that much. Inner and outer, I think. And uh, as it whatever occurs to you. And then... Uh, We'll start again in here. Um, um, well, let's try to start at one twenty. It gives us slightly less than an hour, and because in order to go through the <coughs> go through the journey and be finished, we're also going to try to finish today by three fifteen, because I need to go start the re- weekend retreat at IRC to get down there. So, um, so let's let's come back at uh, one twenty so we can to our journey to the end. Thank you.